0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Sabuni, along with my good buddy, the Honorable Jeff. Hello. Uh, and this week we'll be talking to you guys about some Major League Wrestling and some New Japan Pro Wrestling, as the and New Japan Cup just wrapped up yesterday. And basically over the last uh, what four of the five days or something, they uh, they, uh, they really
0: they really ran through it.
1: Yeah, they did the quarter, the quarters, the semis, and the finals all like back to back to back. So
0: in like four days, they ran through the rest of the card. It was kind of. Kind of impressive to see some of these guys put on the type of matches they did in such a short time.
1: Yeah, that's not a bad point whatsoever. Um, but I wanted to start with a few things that just had kind of kind of come across, come across over the last uh, week or so.
0: Okay, before you get into that, I do want to say one thing. Um, when I first got into this, Shane asked me if I wanted to do this show. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, let's do this. And the main reason I wanted to do it was because I have been a wrestling fan since, oh, God, the late 70s. Um, Been watching wrestling ever since. I took a couple-year break during the cartoon era of the WWE, but uh, once the WCW really kicked off, I got back in, and I never looked back. And the one thing that I've always enjoyed about wrestling is not so much... The norm, like it was always WWE, 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 and during that time, my favorites were Impact. My favorites were uh, WCW, the AWA, the NWA, and even now, my favorites are Major League Wrestling and New Japan and Ring of Honor and all these other other promotions. And so, the reason why I got into this was simply because. I want other people to understand my level of, I guess, insanity would be the best word to put for it. Um, you know, I've always been a huge fan, and I want to portray that to other people. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because over the last few months, um, on my Twitter especially, I've gotten responses from people like Cody and Mar- Marty Skirl, and the most recent was Austin Aries. And as a fan at heart, that means more to me than you can possibly imagine that these guys would reach out to me and to Shane to let us know how they feel on a subject that we are so passionate about. And it's, it, it's like, it's not like there's a niche for it. I, I guess I don't know what the proper phrasing to say is. I just wanted to say that I'm grateful to be doing this. I'm grateful to be having the um, conversations that I do have with people. Uh, we've got regulars that talk to us all the time. We've got people that give us uh, recommendations and we reach out and we watch those those recommendations or we banter back and forth and so on. And it, it's just – It's it's a fun time to be the wrestling fan that I am, because I am so passionate about so many different promotions. It's nice to be able to talk to people about things other than just the norm. I guess I really didn't have much to say other than that. I just, yeah, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to express my, you know, gratitude for where I am at this moment and, and the fact that you can tell that what Shane and I are doing is actually reaching people. That's the most, uh, that's probably the best thing for me.
1: Right. I mean, and, and it's reaching people, and like you said, you, you know, you had gotten a response actually from Austin Aries about our show. So either, either he's, a, either he's a regular listener to the show or he saw the title of the episode, or someone just told him about it and he listened to it. But either way, um, he, the, the uh, response he sent to you was clearly regarding the content of the show. So um, he did at least listen to that, to that one show um, that we did, and that's pretty awesome.
0: And whether he's a faithful listener or he just checks in from time to time or he just heard us talk about him that one time, regardless, it's still such a great feeling to have that kind of that kind of support. I, I guess support would probably be the best word, but to be able to I mean, we're reaching fans on a level that no other show no other podcast does nobody else really i mean they they touch on ring of honor they touch on new japan but to have two hours plus dedicated every single week to independent wrestling is something that i'm very proud to do and i'm happy that we've been given this format to do it
1: yeah absolutely and and you know it's it's great that we live in you know but you know if, if this was 20 years ago we wouldn't be able to do this um, you know, we, we'd, oh, we'd, be looking, we, we, we'd be looking for a terrestrial radio station, and that would we kind of probably be laughed out of the building if we try if we tried something like that.
0: Yeah, because we're not talking WWF or TMA or at the I'm sorry, at that point WCW.
1: Yeah, and we're not we're not Opie and Anthony. You know, I mean, we're just a couple of regular guys that um, are talking over the internet to each other. Um, I mean, yeah, we're friends in real life. We talk to each other in real life on a on a daily basis, pretty much. But. Um, there'd be no way we'd be able to, to do this on, on any other time. and There'd be no way that we could interact with fans other than them calling into the show. Um, you know, there, there didn't used to be, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all that other stuff, all the other ways that fans can interact with us now, or that, you know, personalities can interact with us now. So it's, it's great that it's great to be doing this, um, you know, It's great that we're able to do this at a time when it's actually technically possible to do it.
0: And not just technically possible, and you're probably right. I mean, if we had done this content 20 years ago when all there was was terrestrial radio, maybe satellite had we been that lucky. But to do this type of content, we never would have gotten the kinds of responses that we are. And I guess the whole reason I'm saying this is it's, this is a passion of mine. This is something that I feel strongly about, something that I enjoy. I watch wrestling almost, I, I would say I watch wrestling daily, multiple hours every day. And for us to reach people that are as passionate as we are, is, it's really, it, it's almost humbling. And at the same point, to be able to say things like I thought, I, I to this day, I say that I I think the only person on the mic that could even possibly touch where Austin Aries has been over the last year and a half would be Eli Drake and Eli Drake still isn't on that level because Eli Drake, much like the rock did relies way too much on catchphrases. Austin Aries is a genius when it comes to his, his promos, you know, and to be able to talk about that and to have Austin respond, I I'm humbled. I'm grateful. Uh, and I'm just, I'm happy to be on this platform the way we are.
1: Absolutely. And, and that kind of actually leads me into a couple of things I wanted to talk about first, which was that I came across a couple of, um, well, one's a radio show and one's a, one's a podcast that I, that I had kind of, I kind of big, had vaguely heard about one and I, and I just, and I it took me a while to kind of like actually look into it. And the other one, I had no idea actually even existed until he was a guest on, on the radio show. So, um, I don't know if you've ever listened to this, Jeff, but um, there's a show on Sirius Radio, uh, Sirius FM, XM Radio, called Busted Open. Um, Bully Ray, I've heard of
0: it. Yeah, yeah I've Ray. heard of it. I never listened to it, but I have heard of it.
1: Yeah, so Bully Ray and Dave LaGreca are the hosts, and um, I just really enjoy listening to those guys' opinions. I mean, yeah, I mean, Bully Ray is keeps calling Jay Lethal... Um, a great wrestler on that show and seeing that he deserves the spot in Madison square garden. So clearly he's not always right, but I mean, it's, it's still great to listen to, you know, a guy that I think is still the best character performer in professional wrestling, um, get on the radio basically five days a week and talk pro wrestling from whether it be ring of honor or new Japan or WWE. I mean, he's all, they, they basically cover everything on there. Um, and it's great. It's great to hear them talk about that kind of thing. Um, but one of the things that he brought up, last week he he didn't bring up exactly what I'm going to say but he did bring up this perf- this particular wrestler and say that he was he was going to be the star of his team and so and so I I just want to say something Jeff and and you're going you're going to this is this is one of those things that's that's going to be either yeah there's a 50/50 shot of that happening or that's completely ridiculous or um or you're going to say yeah that's a pretty good chance of that happening so I was going to say this, and and I and you know, because after after Bully Ray was talking, I took it a step further than what he than he what he was saying, and I and I kind of thought about this, and I'm like, you know, he's the he's actually the kind of guy that fits their mold really well. So I'm going to make a statement, and you're going to and you want, I want you to tell me which way you lean more towards, not the 50 50, but the yeah that has a good chance of happening, or that's completely ridiculous. Are you ready for the statement? I am. Okay. Out of all of the recent NST call-ups, and remember, I'm, and, 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 I'm, and by recent I'm, I mean in the last you know three, two or three months or so. So I'm including in there the guys that have debuted on the main roster and made it, have not been officially you know made performers of it have actually performed on the main rosters, or they've gotten called up and they have not actually debuted yet, but we know that they've called up. So I'm including guys like EC3 in here. I'm including Ricochet. I'm including. Uh, Black. Um, I'm including um, Johnny Gargano and Tom, Tommaso Ciampa in here, and I'm going to. And the statement is that of all of the recent NXT call-ups, the one who has the best chance of being a major main event player for the next several years for WWE is Otis Dozovich.
0: God, I have a hard time saying no to that. I really do. Simply because he's charismatic, he's he's a big guy. And I've seen him put on matches in NXT. I haven't seen anything really on the main roster, but on NXT he's been he he did put on individual matches with people that were impressive. I I think out of the recent call-ups, if I had to put my money on one person to actually become a main event player, um, and I, of course, this is all going to depend on where he stands after his whole anxiety thing, but Lars Sullivan would be the guy I would put money on.
1: I see him. I see that he fits the WWE like, monster mold, but I can't see him being a huge star. Um, I, I, I've never really seen a match of his and been like, wow, that was the greatest thing I've seen. Other than you know maybe like the you know the six man ladder match for the North American Championship that that was an, ama- an amazing match but he but it wasn't just because of him I mean he did some fun stuff in there but I mean he had five other guys to rely on um, I think Otis Dozovich fits WWE's main event mold so well because there's so, there's so many things that he can do um, he doesn't take himself too seriously so he could he could easily be a comedy guy for them that would that would build his way up the rings he's got their size that they like. And like you said, he can he can really wrestle, and he's got the and he's got the charisma. I, I think he I think he's got so many tools that he's going to leave not only leave Tucker in the dust, but I think he might end up leaving everybody else that's been promoted up in the in the dust.
0: I would love to agree with you, and maybe if this was another promotion other than WWE, I would. But when you look at what that company does, a peop, a guy like a Dozovich who is just fun. He's going to end up going the, um, uh, I I can't think of his name, the dancing guys, the Funkadelics and all that. Um, What was that guy's name?
1: Uh, The Funkasaurus?
0: No. I can't remember what his real name was, but he was a guy, I mean, he went to TNA, he became the right hand of EC3 for a while.
1: Right, he was Uh, was Tyrus in in, in Impact, but I can't remember what his name yeah,
0: was. I can't, yeah, I can't either. But he was the kind of guy that came in and had Lotus all Clay. the... Yeah, he was the kind of guy, though, that came in and had the same charisma and uh, you know, didn't take himself self too seriously, could put on a decent match as as Dozovich does. The difference was is that he does not... That, that kind of character never has fit and never, well, won't fit until Vince is gone the WWE mold. That's why I look at a guy like him and I think eh, I'd love to see it, but I just have this odd feeling he's going to be a Santino Morella mid-card comedy act for the majority of his career once he's out of a tag team because eventually that tag team is going to break up. They always do. Um, and that's where I go. I look at a guy like, you know, if my, if I was promoting the people that would become the main event players would be people like EC3 would be people like Tommaso Ciampa and Ricochet and Johnny Gargano. But looking at the way that WWE is and the way they've been for so long, Lars Sullivan is the guy that they are going to push to the next level. If he gets his head on straight. And I don't know where he's at with his whole anxiety issues. And he hasn't been seen on TV since he walked out of that episode of raw. So who knows if he's even still part of the company, but it, it just of all the recent call-ups, if I had to put money on a guy becoming a big star, it would be Sullivan.
1: Even though he even though he can't uh, mentally handle it,
0: I and see that's what I'm saying. It all depends on where his head is.
1: Well, if right, it, but I, right, right, but I mean, you, but I mean, despite those issues, you're still putting, you're you're still saying that he's your top choice despite those issues.
0: Out of all the recent call-ups, yeah, because he fits the mold. Fair he enough. Fits, he fits the monster Braun Strowman mold, and look what they did to Strowman. Look what they did to Reigns. That's the kind of guy that they want. They want that monster.
1: Um, but when they get that monster, they don't know how to. They don't know what to do with
0: it. I'm not saying they do, but I'm just saying that, that you know, if there was a guy out of the recent call ups that I thought would be pushed to the moon, it would be him. Okay. Now, I personally, personally, if it was me and I was booking it, Johnny Gargano, this guy would be the limit. I would love to see him in the ring against Daniel Bryan, against AJ Styles, against Seth Rollins, but that's not the kind of wrestling that WWE does.
1: Well, right, but I, right, we weren't talking about the stuff that we that we would book. I mean, I, I agree with you, but I mean, we were talking about what what WWE, you know, that fits the you know the WWE character mold, and I just think that he's, I think that those are just have star quality that that they are, you know, that they're. I don't know. And I think I, he's, he's easy to build up there the way that they do things.
0: I think my biggest my biggest issue is the comedy character. Uh, the fact that he is portrayed as a comedy character. He's a, he's a comedic guy. And I think that's what'll end up holding him back. Once he's yeah. in that mold, he doesn't get out of it. And the WWE is not like um, Ring of Honor or you know, New Japan or MLW where a comedy guy can get over and be pushed to the moon. Um it's just not that place when once you're a comedy guy you're a mid-carder forever
1: okay I, I take your meaning and your points so um and the other thing that the other thing that i heard on busted open um this week that or last week whatever last week i suppose that kind of got me that of got me listening to something else was eric bischoff was on there and i did not know that like a little under a year ago, he started a podcast with Conrad Thompson called 83 Weeks, which was the length of time that WCW Nitro was on top of the Monday Night Ratings War. Um, and in this, each week, Bischoff talks about something, a, a certain aspect dur- of what was happening in WCW during the Monday Night War. And the first, the first week they talk about the deformation um, the of the NWO um, the second week was about the finger poke of doom, and the third week was a bre- about Bret Hart and WCW. And I just cannot keep stop listening to that show. <laughs> I'm completely hooked on it. Um, it. It's it's super interesting, and I would highly recommend anybody uh, take a listen to that show. I think I, I think I, I think I feel about it the way that you've been feeling about Sandy Guevara's vlog,
0: where it's the you're you're seeing the the behind the scenes type stuff.
1: Right and and how wrestling you know and how the and how running WCW actually worked and you know what you know what the rumors you know which which of the rumors and and enduendos are are true at least according to you know what to Bischoff's point of view and and that kind of thing. And he and he comes across he comes across very sincere on the show. So it's so there's really nothing on there that he said on there that I've been like, yeah, right, Eric.
0: Yeah he. You know? Yeah, I will give it to Eric Bischoff is every time I've seen him do a documentary or appear on a podcast, he does come across as very genuine. I honestly, I, until you text me about this, was it yesterday or the day before I'd never heard of it. And now after hearing you describe it, I kind of want to listen to it. I think part of what turned me off on it was I started listening to Tony Schiavone's podcast there for a while and that was just not good. Um, I think they went I think Tony Shavani's podcast went a little too in-depth into things which made it really <laughs> hard to uh really hard to actually enjoy. But from the sounds of it this this thing with Eric Bischoff and I I've, I've heard Eric Bischoff on commentaries before and he's re- or on uh, documentaries and things like that so he is he's very good um and very sincere so I'm going to have definitely check
1: this out. Yeah. And they, and they do go in-depth on things but it's it's just you know the kind of stuff that like uh, Conrad will say, well, Meltzer said this, and 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 uh, Bischoff will will have no um, trouble saying, you know, calling Meltzer an idiot or saying that's completely ridiculous. There's no way that could have possibly have happened, and and on and on and on. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's great to hear that perspective and also like the inner workings as to how you know as as to how the budget stuff worked. You know, you know what he could do, what he couldn't do. You know, when, when things changed where even though he was the president of the company he of of WCW didn't really have any power because of um of you know, Turner meddling in WCW's affairs and things like that. It's it's I think it's I think it's awesome to listen an awesome listen. So so highly, highly recommended.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely be listening to it.
1: Um another thing that came up over the last couple of days is that um I don't know if you saw this, Jeff. But for All Elite Wrestling, um, they were at the Chicago Comic Con uh, or Chicago, some kind of, a, of event this weekend, uh, some kind of event of a convention, and, and CM Punk was there with them. Well, not with them, but he was also part of the convention. And Kenny and the Young Bucks announced All In 2. They, did, they, they didn't announce a date, but they implied that it's going to be at the Sears Center again. And, you know, we've been hearing there's going to be an anniversary show um, in September in Chicago. So it sounds like that's actually um, on. So, you know, it's only like a 10 hour drive from us.
0: Yeah, it's all dependent on my finances, but um, I can definitely see that becoming their WrestleMania or their, uh, you know, final battle, their Wrestle Kingdom just because it, uh, it kind of fits the mold. It's the anniversary of you know, All In, which was the start of All Elite Wrestling. As much as you know, nobody wants to really admit it, that's where the footings came in. So I, I can definitely see that becoming their WrestleMania type of show.
1: Um, the only problem with that is that it's, it's, there's so few seats in that arena.
0: Well, and I think it'll start at the Sears Center and work its way out to other arenas. I, you know, with the, I, I can see it going to the Sears Center just for nostalgia reasons.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why they're doing it. You know, I, I really wish they moved to Sears Field or the Allstate Arena or something like that, or maybe do. I don't know. I mean it somehow include the year's Arena, but also like expand it out because I mean they they already sold, you know, over fourteen thousand tickets or whatever it was for double or nothing.
0: I wonder how things are going to go with them once the hype wears down. I mean, are are they gonna be able to run these kind of shows out there with the thing with all in and the reason why people were so behind it was because of the cast. Because we knew who was there. We're double or nothing. This is gonna be a completely different story. We're not getting Kazuchika Okada. We're not getting um, all of these TNA wrestlers like Tessa Blanchard's not going to be there. You know, all these people that were part of all in as being independent production are not going to be a part of it because it's going to be the all in guys. And you know, I heard I heard Jim Cornette and Love or hate Jim Cornette, and and I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of his commentary anymore. I thought it worked in the late 90s, but it just doesn't anymore. Um, And I'm certainly not a fan of his, his political views. But he did say something that made sense, where you have this AEW roster who is at this point a bunch of unknowns. Outside of the four the four big dogs and a couple of recent signings, to us these are huge guys. To the average fan, they don't know who Jimmy Havoc is. They don't know who um, you know some of these other lower near, Like they don't know who Sammy Guevara is. They don't know who um, you know. They might know of the Lucha Brothers, but that's just because the Lucha Brothers have been everywhere. It's going to be a completely different story than it was when they did all in. So I can kind of see, I want to see where the step back happens. Are they going to be able to carry this momentum all the way through to their TV tapings, to all in Two, if that's going to happen in September? And their TV doesn't even start until October.
1: Well, that's what the rumor is. Do we, even, do we actually know that for sure, though?
0: The October thing? Yeah. From, from what I understand is they're taking the spot on USA that is right now for, uh, uh, for Impact. Or I, I'm sorry, not Impact, but uh, SmackDown.
1: They're not going to be on USA. There's no way. There's no way the USA is going to have both WWE and AEW on the same station.
0: WWE is leaving. They're going to NBC and Fox. In NBC,
1: October. M- NBC Universal owns USA. Oh, do they? Yeah, so, so Raw will still be on USA, and then SmackDown is going to, over to, going to be on Fox, on, probably on Friday nights.
0: Oh, see, I'd heard something different.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I think the idea is that they're going to take the Tuesday night slot on um, in October, but or you know, whatever they start, but that's not necessarily, but, but it's not going to be on USA.
0: Well the I mean, the the channels I'd heard, I heard T N A or T N T, I heard Spike, I heard T B S, and I heard USA were the four top channels they were looking at.
1: USA is just not possible. They're not they're well, not going to sign AEW and you, and, and have W B on there too.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the case, yeah. I guess I didn't I didn't realize they were owned by NBC.
1: Yeah, I had, I had heard that ESPN was a possibility too.
0: That would make sense but e s p n hasn't been really about wrestling since the late
1: eighties. no, I know I'm just saying that i was I was also one of the ones that was rumored at least originally um, as far as being able to keep keep their momentum going, you know I think at least through all In two they're going to have a lot of momentum i mean it's it's certainly going to depend on what happens at double or nothing, but i think there I think there's going to be I think there's going to be something at each show that's going to want to make people tune into their next event, you know, at least until they have um, a TV show going or a streaming service going or something where people can follow along more easily. But I mean, I mean, I would be, I would not be surprised if one of the big surprises at Double or Nothing is that CM Punk shows up, and then he's going, to, he ends up being in the main event at the series at uh, All In 2.
0: At All-In 2 or at the next? I mean, didn't they announce something in June?
1: Right, but I mean, where, would you, where was CM, where is CM Punk going to, going to be most important? In Miami? I'm sorry, in Jacksonville or in Chicago?
0: Obviously in, in Chicago, but you know how this thing works. They, if they have a big name, they're going to want to trot them out there right away. They're going to need to do something to keep the, the buzz going. And right now, I mean, as much as we love these guys, the buzz is kind of wearing down a little bit. And there was a huge – after their uh, the announcement and the backlash from and what they did to people with the unlimited um, – Pre-order stuff, and then uh, you know the tickets selling out in four hours, and then you know the they announced that their next pay-per-view is going to be in a in a place that's roughly the same size as where they're at now, so they're not going to have the ticket demand again. You know, it's all learning process, and I don't want to take anything from them. They're still you know the the four at the top are still four of my all-time favorites, and then when you add in Lucha Brothers and Sammy Guevara and Joey Janela and Adam Page and and all that, it, it's the card itself is, is coming – the the roster is becoming one of my favorites from scattered across all promotions. I just wonder how they're going to be able to do it, how they're going to be able to keep that kind of momentum because what they've been relying on so far is big announcements. At some point, these big announcements are going to die down.
1: Right, but, 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 but I mean, when is that point going to be? I mean, we're only let's see, we're two months away from – exactly two months away today from Double or Nothing. And some kind of huge event happens there, then we're only like a month away from, or two months away from the Jacksonville show. And that puts us two months away from, presumably from All In 2 or All Out or whatever they end up calling it. And so then, I mean, you're not looking at, at, uh, like right now they announced in January, so they have four months that they have to build up things for Double or Nothing, which is a lot of time especially when, when you when you'll have TV and you're you're only doing like you're doing indie appearances and they're showing those on being the elite and then you're doing a, like an 8 or 10 minute show on the nightmare channel, you know, the road to double or nothing. Whereas right. whereas once you get past this this four and a half months or whatever it is, then you've only got a couple months at a time that you're trying to fill time for.
0: And the road to double or nothing really isn't a story building type thing. I mean, with the exception of whatever is happening with Kenny Omega, it, uh, Road to Double or Nothing really isn't, it, it's just kind of showing the background side of getting things up and running. Where Being the Elite is running the stories, but they're running with this Michael Nakazawa angle. Where is he even going to be a part of Double or Nothing? I mean, what's, why is Matt so obsessed with him? What's the deal with this? I don't know. Yeah, I, oh, no I, guess, it's I guess stuff. On the I guess on the latest being the elite, they did announce a double or nothing. No, no, it was something else. Michael Nakazawa is gonna be facing somebody in a hardcore match at some show. Uh it it bored me, so I didn't really pay that close of attention,
1: but I see. You know the you know the one thing that's been interesting about um Double or nothing? Is that really but they've been promoting like Jericho against the elite more than they've been doing any actually like you said storyline stuff on them. Well, they've been, and, and that's yeah. and that's interesting because I mean it's basically Jericho tried to split the young bucks up. He's trying he's trying to get in their ears and as about them you know splitting from each other and about which one can be the bigger star, and then and then we also have we also have him basically say, you know, yelling at Cody and, you know, and stuff like that, you know, where, where Cody called him a dick and and things like that, where um, they're kind of building towards a, a Cody-Jericho match at some point in the future. So it's it's really weird because it, cause there's been basically no mention of, of Omega versus Jericho.
0: Yeah, there really hasn't. And Omega has just kind of been showing up, um, not really doing much. I he's not he hasn't been on the Nightmare Channel yet. He's been a, a few episodes of being the elite and it's just been him coming in and basically throwing shade at everybody. So he hasn't really been a much much of a factor either. It it just it's you're right. It does seem like it's uh Jericho versus the elite right now.
1: Right. I really the only feud that they're building towards and is um you know, that really we seeing any kind of actual build towards. And granted, there's still two months to go before the event. But is the Lucha Bros taking on um, Young Bucks?
0: And we've seen a little bit for Page versus Pac too, but that's been more of a comedy thing than anything, because it's been about Page's gut line.
1: Right, which has absolutely nothing to do with the with the actual match between the two of them. It's just it's just you know the way that. Uh, Billy Gunn and Cody and the Young Bucks want Page to look.
0: Right. Yeah, so it's... But, I mean, it's... Uh, it's... I don't know. You, I want to see how things go. I, I really do. I, it's not that I'm losing faith or losing... It's just, it feels like they're kind of losing steam. A lot like the NWA did when everybody was all geeked on them after All In, then after the anniversary show. And by the time the pop-up show came around, it's like... Eh, Whatever it's the NWA, whatever. You know that's just the feeling I've gotten from from the NWA as well is that it's just losing steam. Part of that's because they're not on TV every single week.
1: Right, and I and I agree with that. I mean, so so from your perspective, if you were if you were them, would you announce all into completely now and get the tickets on sale, or would you wait until after Double or Nothing happens to see if they're hot again?
0: I would do it now while they're still hot. Because I, I just think, unless they, unless they can get that marquee signing coming in after Double or Nothing or after their event in, is it June or is it July? Their second event in Jacksonville?
1: I believe, I, I believe it's in July.
0: So, I mean, unless they can get some big signing to come in before then or right after that, I think now is the hottest they're going to be up until then. It would, be, it would be a completely different story if they had the weekly TV show now and we saw the storylines developing and things like that. But right now, they're selling tickets on the names alone. And right now, the only names to people that are not hardcore fans is the Elite. Those top, top four guys, that, I mean, that's it. Unless you're a hardcore fan, it's the top four guys and nothing. So right now they're selling they're selling the majority of their tickets based on those four guys.
1: So the four guys you're mentioning being Kenny Omega, The Young Bucks, and Cody, who Jericho? Who Jericho?
0: Well, and Cody. I I don't know that Jer. I mean Jericho's a a huge draw, but is he the same draw that he was 20 years ago? Is he a guy who's going to sell out stadiums just to go see Jericho?
1: Well, he sold out a cruise.
0: Yeah, but he also sold it out with help from the Elite, with help from TNA. That, and that's what that's what I'm saying. That's what made All In so special. That's what made the, the crews so special, is it wasn't just one company putting it on. It wasn't just the stars from one company. These were, you know, you had Ring of Honor, you had the Elite, you had New Japan, you had Impact, you had other um, promotions that helped put these on. So you weren't just getting fans of the elite, you were getting fans of five or six other promotions that all had interest because their top dog was in the, was in the ring. Their, you know, their favorite was going to be on this card, and that's not going to be the case anymore going forward. Now we're going to get to a situation where you can't say, oh, well, Tessa Blanchard's going to be there. I love Tessa Blanchard. I'm going to watch this. I'm going to pay the, the 20 bucks or whatever it was to watch it. You know, you are Okada is going to be there or, you know, who, whoever, you know, PJ Black's going to be there. It's you're not getting fans from every other promotion out there after this first maybe, maybe one, maybe two shows. But after Double or Nothing, when all the buzz kind of dies down a little bit, you're not getting these surprise call ins like the Lucha Brothers, you're not getting the surprise, um, surprises of Pac and Sammy Guevara and all these other promotions becoming a part of this, that's when you're going to, and, and it all turns on the AEW roster to sell the tickets, you're going to see a huge, huge change in the way that the ticket sales go.
1: Well so so really that really it's going to depend on who's buying the tickets and who's buying their, their shows. I mean Exactly. It, I mean because they have a working agreement with AAA. They have a working agreement with O uh, OWE, OWE, is it? Or, I'm trying, yeah. to, trying, trying to remember yeah, it the, is. but the, the
0: Oriental the, Wrestling. Wrestling. Oriental Wrestling
1: Entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Um and you know they have and of course, you know they've got Pac, who's the Dragon Gate um open the championship, open the gate Dragon, whatever that whatever that title is, he's he's the top champion in Dragon Gate, um, you know, it's coming in. But so it's going to depend. I mean, how many how many Dragon Gate fans are buying the event? How many AAA fans are buying the event? How many O um, V O W E fans are buying the event? And and really, I mean, how many of those fans are there in the first place? I mean, we're talking about the number two promotion. I mean, the oldest promotion, but also the number two promotion in Mexico. Talking about the number two promotion in Japan, if not, if not third. And Are we're they talking even
0: about... in Japan? I thought they were in China. Dragon Gate? No. Oh, yeah, Dragon Gate. Okay, I'm sorry. I was thinking OWE. And
1: then we're talking about the only wrestling promotion in China in, in OWE. So, I mean, that, that's the thing is, is how many is, you know, I, I just can't. I mean, clearly they'd be better off if Ring of Honor and New Japan were partnering with them. Right. You know, and and, but I mean, that doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. And I mean, so I I get your point. I mean, it's you and I are excited about it. You know, it feels like the wrestling world is is excited about it, but it also feels like it's a long way between their announcement and when um, and when the event's actually taking place.
0: Well, and right now with Double or Nothing, I mean you're coming off the heels of four of the top independent stars forming an alliance and coming to, uh, you know, and and bringing us AEW and bringing in their best friends in Jericho and Paige. And I'm not saying Jericho is not a huge draw, but is Jericho still at that point in his career where he's selling out arenas? I, I just don't, I don't know that he was, a, he, he is one of the greatest of all time. In fact, I, he's my number four all time but i don't know that he's ever really been that guy that sells out the arena he's always been there to put on stellar matches he like i said he's he's one of the greats of all time um and not just from he's one of the best on the mic he's one of the best in-ring performers he's adapted his style When you look back at 1996 and all the different styles he's gone through, uh, different character changes, different everything, he's one of the best all time. But is Chris Jericho selling out an arena?
1: I would say probably the only time he was doing that was in 2008 when when he was selling out arenas as a heel and people wanting to see him get his ass kicked.
0: When he came back and he was his wearing his tie and he first cut his hair and he was you know changed to the code breaker and all that stuff, right? That's that's probably when you're you're right. That is probably when he was the last time he was really selling all arenas. He's a hell of a draw. He's a he's a guy that people are going to be excited to see. But I mean, even if I'm looking at it and and maybe it's maybe I'm jaded because I've seen Jericho so many times live and on TV that. I don't know that I would pay the kind of money to go and see him wrestle now that I would have 10, 15 years ago.
1: Well, well, let's look at it this way, too. I mean, he is half of the main event at Double or Nothing. And if you could have afforded to go, you would have gone, right? If you could have afforded to go and you, and you could have gotten tickets, you would have gone.
0: Yeah, that is true, but that's not, I was not going to go strictly because of Chris Jericho. Is but, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: I, I, I understand I understand your point. I'm just saying that he is you know he is in the main event of the show, and 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 typically, wrestling shows are looked at as who was ever in the main event is is who's drawing the most money. And, and let me and let me put it to you this way: if it was Omega versus Cody, would you have been slightly less likely to go?
0: No. None, because, is it? Not because, at all.
1: Because of the event.
0: Because of the event. I'm going for the event, not for who is main eventing. And that's why, you know, and when you talk about main events, and and we can, we can either poo-poo this away or we can we can talk a little bit about it here in a little bit. But, you know, the, they announced the WrestleMania main event too, and I I just I find so many things wrong with it. With the triple well, threat with Rousey and and Charlotte and, and Becky Lynch.
1: Well, here's what I feel is wrong with it, and, and you know maybe this is just my maybe this is just my bias and, and my my personal fan tastes. Um, well, first of, I mean I mean first of all, I, you know I my personal fan taste is I would never put a women's championship match in the main event of WrestleMania, or or, or a or a big or a big wrestling show. Uh, the, the only way that, the only way that I that I think I probably would have done that is if we're talking about like Trish Stratus versus Ronda Rousey. Or Trish Stratus versus Charlotte,
0: but But, Trish uh, in her prime too.
1: Well, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, even now. I mean, as a one, as a one-time,
0: kind of like a Roxana type thing. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, something like that. As a as a one-time, you know, comeback. What can she do? You know, she's still got the character. She's still got the ability. But you're but you're but it's a one-time special event, you're not going to actually see her wrestle outside of this show. Um, Really, what what bothers me about it isn't isn't that it's the women headlining it, although I wouldn't have called it, and I I certainly wouldn't have put Charlotte in the match. Um, What bothers me is that for the last three years, the main events have all featured Roman Reigns. And now this year, Seth Rollins wins the championship, and all of a sudden... It's not Reigns in the main event, but it's also not Rollins.
0: See, and I've had a problem with the main events for the last three years, and not because you know it's been Roman Reigns, but because we all know what the top title in the WWE is, and that's the WWE Heavyweight or the WWE World Championship. And the fact that that's been a mid-card title basically for the last three years has annoyed me. I that that's the title, and I mean when you look back at I remember Flair's retirement match against Shawn Michaels.
1: Well, well, you know, well, you know why that's the case, right?
0: Because it's on the B brand.
1: Exactly, because it's not on Raw.
0: Right, exactly. And, but I remember back when um, Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, per, were, that was the retirement match, and they wanted Flair to go on last. They wanted him to main event WrestleMania for that match. And he said, absolutely not. The main event is always the, the top title of the, of the promotion. And you can't tell me that a brand-new title like the Universal title that doesn't have anywhere near the prestige that the WWE Championship has is the top title. Every pay-per-view should end with a WWE Championship match. Plain and simple. That's just the way it should be. Ring of Honor does it, and that's, I guess, up until their last uh, anniversary show or whatever, that debacle. But typically, they end the night with the, the heavyweight title belt.
1: Well, their last two pay per views have ended with attacking titles being defended. Right,
0: but I'm just up until up until recently, that's the way it is. I mean, that's the way it is in Impact. That's the way it is in in New Japan. Every promotion always ends their night with their top title, except for WWE. WWE forces main events down our throat, and they're making this this huge. Huge deal with the triple threat female, and I'm not I'm not taking anything away from them. I think Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch, and even Charlotte for that matter, deserve that type of recognition. But to have it forced down our throat as another evolution of the women's revolution, it just it, it's it's sickening to me. the the way that they just kind of make every other title a throwaway title. They promote Brock Lesnar as being the biggest draw in their company, but he's going to be a runner-up to the main event at their biggest show, just so they can promote this angle of the women's re- revolution.
1: Well, you know, there's, there's, you know, we're, we're in the minority on this. I mean, there's, there's lots of people I've seen on social media that have been um, fighting is probably the wrong word, but um, certainly advocates of the women being the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. And I'm,
0: until that's the top title, I can't get behind it. And you're right. I, we're the minority and I'm probably an even bigger minority in this, but I just think that I I think that it's a bad, it, it, to me it just shows that they're trying so hard to get this woman's revolution over when they've already missed the boat with it. They've missed the boat so many times with it by not putting the belt on Sasha, by waiting this long to give it to Becky. Um, you know, by just their missteps here and there, and then jamming it down our throats, saying, "Okay, they're going to main event Hell in a Cell." Why? I the the rivalry between Sasha Banks and Charlotte at that time was nowhere near as red hot as it should have been to main event a Hell in a Cell.
1: Well, I personally loved that match.
0: I I'm sorry, my hold on a second, my internet's cutting out. So go ahead and babble
1: for a bit. Oh, well, I said. I said. I personally loved that match. I mean, I, I actually loved the fact that those two guys, that those two main evented that show. Um, what I didn't like about oh. that feud. What I didn't like about that feud is that every time the title was Dude, on the I line just, on Raw. I it was. So, you know, Sasha won the title every time the title was on on The on on. Uh, title was on the line on pay per view. Charlotte won. So I mean, that that's what I didn't like about that feud. Is, it, is um it continued Charlotte's you know pay per view streak um, that was ended abruptly. Um, at the same time as, you know, putting the title on, on Sasha three times unnecessarily. But, but, I mean, I thought that was a great, I thought it was a great match, and I did not have any problem with, with, with it being eventing um, Hell in a Cell 2016, I think it was, whatsoever. Are you there?
0: Yeah, sorry, I had to go get my internet box.
1: Okay, I thought you were back, so...
0: Yeah, I started. I started losing you because it was. Uh, I'm internet only works so well in certain parts of my stupid house. But the maybe, maybe,
1: I, maybe, you're, maybe you're just maybe just having your internet box with you when you start the show.
0: I, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm thinking of doing that from now on in the future. Um,
1: the <laughs> show, normally, it, the show by the way. The Jacksonville show, by the way, is on Saturday, July 13th, and the arena it's going to be held at only holds about 5,500 people. Wait, what? Yeah.
0: I'm I, 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 I'm speechless.
1: It's called Daly's Place Amphitheater and it's adjoined it's adjoining to the T, TIA Bankfield which which is where the Jaguars play, but but it, but the arena that they're going to be doing the show in has a capacity of five thousand five hundred and fifty. So, you know, this show is called Fight for the Fallen because you know they're they're trying to fight against gun violence. I think that, I think the fact that they're holding it in that small of a venue probably means that there's going to be gun violence and just people trying to get into that show.
0: Honestly, I just wanted to see how far you were going to go with that. <laughs> it's it's bad. That's a Why would point, you? Though, well yeah, but why would you go from a 14,000-seat arena that sells out in 4 minutes to a 5500? It's like an auditorium. They might as well be doing a a showing of the Rocky Horror Picture
1: Show. Right. I I mean it's it's weird. It it really is weird. I mean, I I don't know if there's no place else in Jacksonville that can get around for around that time or I mean I mean and this is and this is after you know, they had they had talked about after the success of Double or Nothing selling out in. You said four hours earlier, you actually meant four minutes. Um, that you know, they they talked about doing bigger bigger stadiums or, you know, doing stadium shows, and now they're doing a fifty five hundred dollar seat amphitheater.
0: Well, they're doing an amphitheater, and then they're going back to Chicago in a in a stadium that's smaller than what they're trying to do now. It's. Uh huh. I mean, I get it. These are the type of things that you have to book out years in advance. I need, look at the Super Bowl. Look at how far out the Super Bowl is booked. Five, six years? You know, same thing with WrestleMania. That's They announce WrestleMania a year ahead of time as of where it's going to be next year, next year. You know, so they are scrambling at this point trying to get these shows together in a couple of months, but at the same time, there's got to be another place other than maybe Jacksonville where they could have done it, where they could have gotten a bigger arena.
1: Well, they're doing it in Jacksonville because they're doing it to support that community that has had so much, you know, gun violence there. So, I mean, I don't, I don't blame them for that, but I, it's, it's really weird that they're doing it in such a small venue. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to fly to Jacksonville to go see them, but
0: it's uh, not like you'd get tickets anyway. they will be sold out in thirty seconds.
1: Most likely. So yeah, not on sale yet, but yeah, most likely.
0: And uh, did you did you watch the most recent uh, Nightmare Family uh, Bro to Double or Nothing?
1: The one with Allie on there. Yeah, I yeah. was
0: gonna say. So you saw that they signed Allie? Yeah,
1: I thought it was weird that she was calling herself Allie instead of her instead of her previous name, which was um, Cherry Bomb. But but you know that's fine. I thought I would thought the I would have thought the character Allie would have been known by Impact.
0: Well, and, and maybe that's why they're, they're sticking with it. I mean there's a, it seems like you know, people that come over from Impact don't really have the copyright on their names so they can use them.
1: Unless you're, you know, Broken Matt Hardy.
0: Well, yeah, except for Broken Matt Hardy for some reason. <laughs> Everybody else has, you know, AJ Styles, EC3, you know, list goes on and on and on of people that have come over and Broken Matt Hardy's the one that had the copyright issue.
1: Well, I don't think you can trademark EC3, just like you can't trademark MVP. But I mean, but he can't call himself Ethan Carter III either.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. Maybe he could go back to uh, what was his what was his name before? Uh, oh, God.
1: Derek something, I think. Derek
0: I Bateman, think. yeah. Yeah. Speaking of NXT, what, is
1: he, what, does he see, what does EC3 stand for? Derek Bateman. <laughs> 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 the...
0: Uh... <laughs> You know, speaking of NXT, I guess I didn't realize this, but um, Sammy Callahan was Solomon Crowe in NXT. Right. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I had no clue. Yeah,
1: and, and, he, and, I, and I saw nothing in him in that character whatsoever. No,
0: it was terrible. He needs a flak jacket, a, a baseball hat, and uh, to call himself the draw, I guess, to get over, because now he's one of the top things I look for on both Impact and MLW.
1: Well, when he was Sa- Solomon Crow, he was a, he was a little emo um, Jimmy ja- Jimmy Jacobs wannabe, um, and now that he and, and now as Sammy Callahan, he's um, a psychotic badass.
0: Well, in his claim to fame, as Solomon Crow, was uh, attacking Juice Robinson's horrible character.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: What the hell was his character there? Now, why can't I remember these things?
1: C.J. Parker.
0: Yeah we're just trying to save the world through signs. Yes. Recycling. cycling.
1: Yes. You're saving the planet. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you know, you and I kind of, kind of last week, um, we were after what happened at the anniversary show, we were pretty down on, um, well, yeah, we, we were kind of down and saying that we've been looking forward to seeing, um, G1 Supercard Card for ever since it was announced, and now we're kind of really not really looking forward to seeing it. Um, but now, the official the official card has been announced, and dude, it's fucking lights out. Did you know that? Have you seen the card?
0: I haven't seen the full card. No.
1: Well, first of all, I, I want to say before I before I go through the full card, I want to say there's still things I have concerns about, and, and we talked about them on the show last week. Um, one of them is that. Um, you know, I still don't like that Lethal. Still, their ROH World Champion, um, and I, you know, I don't necessarily agree that he earned a spot at Madison Square Garden. But does that, but besi- but that's beside the point. He, he's in that match, so I mean, it's still going to be, I think, a great ladder match between with him and Marty Skrull and Matt Taven in it. Yeah, um, I didn't like and, the whole setup for that though. I know, I didn't like the setup. I don't like that Jay Lethal, that Lethal still the champion. But I mean there's there's really nothing you know, there's really no, no point in crying over spilled milk I guess with that. Yeah. Um also they changed um now instead of it being the G O D versus PCO and Brody King for the for both the tag team titles, they've now added the Briscoes and Evil and Sonata to the mix as well. So it's now a four way match with both sets of titles on the line.
0: That is just too much of a clusterfuck that's trying to get too many people in on the show.
1: I agree. I mean, and, and they could have done, they could have accomplished getting all these guys on the show the way that you and I talked about. Right. You know, God versus the Briscoes and, and P.C.O. and Brody King against Evil and Sinatra. Um. And then, and then also, like, at one of the shows that we saw, um, one of the, I think it was one of the New Beginning shows, I can't remember for exact sure, but one of those shows, maybe it was even the anniversary show. It was the anniversary show. That's right, the, um, the anniversary show for for New Japan. We saw that Dragon Lee came out to, to challenge Taiji Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Um, but that's become a triple threat now with Bandito added into the mix.
0: Yeah, and I love the addition of Bandito. That was one, one of the few things I saw announced that I was really, really looking forward to. I, I don't know how much Dragon Lee against Ishimori I would have enjoyed, but adding Bandito to that, yeah, that match is probably the one I'm looking the most forward to on this entire card.
1: See, and I and I look at it the other way that we've already got a triple threat match for the world ROH World Championship. Did we, did we did we need another triple threat match later on the card? Or no, the we card? Did, We <laughs> don't.
0: But at the same point, we don't need a uh, four corners match either.
1: For the tag titles?
0: Yeah, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I what agree. is. Who, if they win now, whoever wins this four corners match, are they going to be both champions, or are they going to do it elimination style and whoever pins POC becomes the champions of Ring of Honor? And I, how the hell are they going to do this?
1: It's title versus title, so I get—I guess, I guess whoever wins is, is has both sets of titles.
0: That's just wrong.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, well, also,
1: also, well, also, want, go ahead. I'm sorry. And, well, why, and why is it wrong? I
0: it just what has PCO uh, or what has PCO and Brody King done to deserve an IWGP Heavyweight Title shot? And vice versa, what has Evil and Sonata done to deserve the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Title shot, or the Tag Team Title shot? Yeah, it, it's it's too much of a clusterfuck there's there's too much, too many moving parts, too much going on both titles, and that could be a team like Evil and Sonata who haven't held either title in, um, what, almost a year?
1: No, they won their heavyweight tag team titles at... at um, oh, that's Master right. Kingdom. Yeah, they,
0: you're right, they did. Yeah. So, so wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. What did Evil and Sonata do to get shots at the ROH World Tag Team Championships? Um, how about they won the last two... Um, or not tag wars, but uh, tag leagues, and they left both the last two Wrestle Kingdoms as the as the world tag team champions.
0: Yeah, what have you done for me lately?
1: B.C. <laughs> and well, Brody King, I I agree with you. Them getting shot at the, the NWA and J.P.W. tag team titles, except for that they are the ROH tag team champions, and they're and they're part of one of the hottest acts in, in Ring of Honor right now.
0: What I would like to see is. Um, I don't know the triple threat. I don't know if you remember this, where there was that triple threat match for um, the U.S. and the European title. It was Jericho, Benoit, and uh, Lance Storm. And Jericho and Benoit came out as separate title holders of the match.
1: Okay. First of all, it was for the Intercontinental Championship and the European Championship.
0: Okay, that's and, sec- that and,
1: and secondly, it was not Lance Storm. It was Kurt Angle.
0: Was it Kurt Angle? Yeah. I don't remember. It was.
1: It was WrestleMania two thousand.
0: Okay, but if they do something like that where you have you can come out with separate champions, then I'm all on board.
1: That would just make it even more of a clusterfuck.
0: Yeah, but it's already fucked up as it is. Can you imagine PCO and Brody King being dual champions?
1: Yes. No. <laughs> then why ask? A, why ask a question and then and then argue with my answer? Because. Did we lose you?
0: To me, that m- doesn't make any sense to have them as the IWGP Tag Champions when they've never performed in front of a Japanese audience.
1: I didn't say it made sense. I said I could see them with the championships.
0: Yeah. And, and while we're uh, complaining about things on this card...
1: <laughs> um, I, I, I really don't like the idea of, of G.O.D. holding both sets of titles either.
0: No, I don't either. I, I, but that's where they're going to go with this. Mm-hmm. There's too much, too much momentum behind Bullet Club right now. I, I thought the whole title versus title thing was a, uh, was a bad idea to begin with, but it is what it is, I guess. But the, I mean, the, the ROH heavyweight title belt, that's one, the whole setup on that is something I have a major problem with, where Marty Skrull, he is not going to give up his one-on-one title opportunity to have Matt Taven uh, pin Jay Lethal but he's okay with Matt Taven climbing up a ladder to pull the belt down and giving up his one-on-one title shot, it I doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Well, right, and, and, what, did, and what did Jay Lethal do to, to deserve a shot at Matt Taven's World Championship anyway?
0: Exactly. I mean, yeah, he went to a full 60-minute draw, one of the most boring matches I've ever seen, after, well, last 40 minutes of it anyway
1: yeah well, that's the other thing that's the other thing we were saying they were saying on busted opens that it was a great match and i and I disagree oh. that the, that it was a great match so um, also on the card we have the never openweight champion will Osprey defending his title against the ROH TV champion Jeff Cobb. Um, we have Roosh versus Dalton Castle in a match I know you wanted to see for the third time Jeff we have mywa Iwatani facing Kelly Klein for the women of Honor champion women's the Women of Honor Championship.
0: Ugh.
1: We of course have Bully Ray Street Fight Open Challenge match. Um, Zack Saber Jr. defending the British title against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Tatsuya Naito defending the Intercontinental title against Kota Ibushi. And then Jay White defending the ROH, I'm sorry, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against the New Japan Cup winner, in Kazuchika Okada. Now, I'm just going to briefly say about that world championship match, the the main event, the IWGP heavyweight title, that I understand why they went the way they went. I understand that Kazushka Okada deserves to be in the main event at Madison Square Garden. But the tickets were already sold. Nobody was going to sell their tickets if they got something different. And And I understand they want this to be a huge show. What what would have been wrong with it being a huge show and giving Sonata the shot against Jay White and having a, a blockbuster match in Madison Square Garden? I mean, I know I don't. You probably have to find something else for Okada to do, obviously, but still, I just think that that is a is a great time to give Sonata a shot up in the lights <clears throat> rather than um. Okada once again getting a shot against Jay White in the match that we just saw at Wrestle Kingdom. Yes, it was a great match, but do we really need to see it again 3 months later? Uh, to me, we don't. I mean, it, to, to me this is like seeing a match at the Royal Rumble and then seeing it again at WrestleMania. You know, it's it's, it's never been a formula that I, that I particularly like. Um, and so for them to do it and to do it here, while I understand why they're doing it, I'm not a big fan of them doing it.
0: I agree. I think they missed the boat on. And they should have pulled the trigger on Sonata at the G1, or at the New Japan Cup. I'm sorry. I right, when you heard the crowd reaction on that that finals match, they should have pulled the trigger on Sonata.
1: Yeah, as I mean, you 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 have him go through um, Minoru Suzuki in the match of the year. Um, you have him. Tap out Tanahashi, and then you have him lose to to Okada. Um, I don't have a problem with him losing to Okada. Obviously, I mean, anybody losing to Okada is really um, splitting hairs. It's, it's simply the fact that you keep hitting Sonata up, and then having him, you know, drop off um, before before actually making it to the top. And he's 30 years old now, so I mean, he's, while in wrestling terms that's still pretty young. He's got about five years away before his peak starts being behind him, and I think I think you've got to pull the tr- if you're going to pull the trigger on him as being a major player, either you know the the, the IWGP heavyweight champion or or the Intercontinental champion, and be believable with one of those two championships because the IC title means a lot in NJPW. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to pull the trigger on him, not just have him wrestle great matches against guys like Okada, but have it it beat Okada when it really matters?
0: Well, if you look at uh, the two guys that were in the finals, Okada and Sonata, you had Sonata who had a great match against Goto, which I've never been a fan of Goto, so that was impressive to me. He had a classic against Suzuki, he got 15 minutes out of Colt Cabana, which enough said right there and then had a great match against Tanahashi and an even better match against Okada I just felt like now was the time to pull the trigger on Sonata with the way he was I mean, Okada, it's not like he had a really easy way to get through there, he had his opening match against Elegant that went in like 25 minutes, then he had you know, Mikey Nichols and then 20 minutes against Osprey, which was amazing and I thought the best match of the entire tournament was Okada versus Ishii you know, and then thirty minutes against Sonata, well, thirty-three minutes against Sonata. I, I, I just Okada wouldn't have hurt him to lose to Sonata, but Sonata you could have made a star.
1: Right, you could have made him. You could have made him a star, and you could also have, and then you, then you give him the big, the big match experience in Madison Square Garden. You know, I mean, I, I again, I, I get it that Okada earned it. I get it that they want that they want a big match there. It just, it just feels like. Um, they could have done. They could have done it so that Sonata, you know, got got a shot there. Um, and like I said, they, they they made another. Sorry, you know, win or lose, he's still in the main event against White. I mean, on the, on the other hand, you know, the, you know, playing devil's advocate, um, Jay White has um, he's never been in this kind of big this big spotlight either.
0: No, so I mean I can yeah, so, see so, where you so,
1: right. So you can see where you where want an experienced hand kind of guiding him through it.
0: Right, but at the same point, I think that White has proven over the last year that he can handle that. He, I mean, he. It's not like he would have been going up against a chump in Sonata that he would have had to, you know, carry the entire match on. He, this would, this would have been a guy that's equally as talented as Tanahashi was as Okada was. So I think, I I think that it could have been a great match, but I think also when you think about it too, that would have been a match for hardcore fans. That wouldn't have been a match for the masses. Where Okada White is more of a match because they've got the built-in storyline, they've got the whole betrayal, they've got a huge storyline they can build on, and then you've got Okada going after his fifth championship. I just hope they don't take the belt off Jay White this quick.
1: Right. I mean, and, and it would be a bad idea for a couple of reasons. One of them being that um, it would be the second straight time that the title changed hands on the on the very first defense. You know, we don't need to change the IWGP heavyweight championship into um, the never-open-weight title.
0: Exactly. But here you've got two back-to-back big shows, well, big tournaments, big shows, whatever, where you had a chance. I mean, this is what our second week in a row that we've discussed this about having the perfect opportunity to create a major star in your promotion mm-hmm. and you pass up on it. I mean, last, last week with Taven, was that last week or was that the week before? It was last week. With Taven losing to Lethal, uh, they had a huge chance to make the probably the biggest heel in the company. And then here you had a chance to catapult Sonata into superstardom by beating Okada. And they passed on it for... Um, I, I mean, I guess I get the reasons why, but you know, as the fans we are, I would have rather seen Sonata get the win here.
1: Yeah, I would too. And 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 a lot of it, like I said, is because I don't know how many more times you can heat him up, without, you know, giving him giving him that big that big chance to, you know, to
0: to show what he can do. Well, and then not not only heat him up, but then drop him back down to the tag team ranks. It's the third year in a row they've heated him up like this and then threw him right back into the tag rings.
1: Well, and in this case, not only just not only the tag rings, but in a in a fatal four-way tag situation
0: for the titles.
1: For, for two sets of titles? Yeah.
0: Right. So, I mean, if they do walk out of this as champions, there goes a, you know, just kiss goodbye any thought of Sonata moving on this year.
1: Right. I mean, I mean, we've talked about that before. Like, like where where would he be at? To do that, I mean, I mean, the, I don't, I'm kind of like talking ahead of my own thoughts here, but I mean, Naito, you know, is the Intercontinental Champion, and I don't, and you know, we, like he's defending against Ibushi here, so I mean, there's, it's certainly possible that Ibushi walks out with that Intercontinental Championship, which would also set up Naito for you know a good G1, and heading on you know towards Dominion. Um, also, as you know, a top challenger for whoever walks out, or whoever's the world champion coming into to that show. Um, but then, do you really put but then do you really put Ibushi versus Sonata at Dominion? I would. I'd love to see it. But I mean, I, I just don't know. Last year, remember, um, Naito dropped the title at Dominion to Jericho, and Evil was the next challenger for Jericho. Like what? Five months later, when Jericho finally showed back up, but. I mean, that was the thing—is that, is that you know, Nitro drops, drops the title. Evil is the first top challenger. Does that mean that they do the same thing with Sonata this time around? I'd love to see it. I'd love for Sonata to get to get that championship and a chance to to show that he can draw. But I just don't know that they're actually going to do it.
0: Not screw right. uh, like they did Evil out of his opportunity.
1: Right. I mean, I mean, I, I would have loved to see Evil walk into the walk into the Tokyo Dome as an Intercontinental Champion. But he didn't. So, um, so anyway, anyway, you know, after looking at the entire card, I'm very pumped for this show. I have no idea how we're going to preview um, this show and NXT Takeover all in two hours next week.
0: It's not going to happen. Okay. We'll just kind of okay. have to hit on hit on the big the bigger matches.
1: Right. And I don't want to spoil what's going to be happening on, an NXT takeover right now. So, um, but I mean, yeah, you, I, you and I are pretty excited for the main event. I think
0: I am, except I don't know who actually is in it. I know Gargano, but I haven't gotten that far in the, in the programming yet to see who the, his challenger is. Ignore it
1: No, you didn't. You said, there, you, you said you could deal with that. And, uh, anyway, I didn't want to spoil it for the audience. I, I had already spoiled it, spoiled it for you. So,
0: Yeah, I I ignored you, remember?
1: Yeah, you said that, but obviously, like I said, you hit your head and and lost, uh... (laughs) Anyway, so we'll we'll take a quick commercial break and then we'll come back and talk about Major League Wrestling. As your interior
0: designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything! Um, can we not have a bit of color? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's Flexible Home Improvement Loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months.
1: That's seven years. Find out
0: more at avancard.ie.
1: Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard. Dock trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Okay, and we're back. And um, thanks for thanks for listening, and thanks for jo- for rejoining us here. And uh, over the last week or so, well, week for me, Jeff probably been doing it for a while, but got caught up and uh, watched all the way through um, Super Fight, which was the big uh, event on February 2nd for Major League Wrestling. And um, that that was actually the, the go ahead, Jeff.
0: Did you find a way to watch the whole show or did you just watch the two matches they televised?
1: Was there actually more shit on that show than just those two? I'm sorry, what? But there was more on Superfight than just those three matches?
0: Yeah, there was a whole card. Superfight was like a two and a half hour program.
1: Oh, I didn't I had no idea. They
0: just they they just chose the the um Take titles, the heavyweight title, and then the um, that grudge match that they'd been building up on TV. But there was a lot of other show, or you know, it was kind of like I thought they were going to do like they did with Battle Riot, where um, they had Battle Riot and War Games, where they just dedicated two or three episodes to the actual pro, uh, to the actual card. But there was supposed to be a uh, Tommy Dreamer versus Pillman match that was um, an empty arena match that we never saw. And there were a couple other matches that were announced that we never saw.
1: Oh, right. The empty arena match. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how we can watch them.
0: That's what I was wondering. If you found a way to watch that, that it was, I was, I was hoping they were going to do a couple of different episodes like they did with the other big shows. But they didn't do that. They just ran those three those three matches, and that was it.
1: Yeah, because if you look, if you actually if you look on on uh, YouTube, it's like episode forty one, and then super fight, and then there's episode forty four.
0: Yep, forty three is missing. So
1: right. Well, either forty two or forty three is missing. One of the two.
0: <laughs> so I'm I'm guessing that they probably did do it a couple of weeks, but we just didn't get it for some reason.
1: Yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah, i want to look on Fight and see if we can find that. Maybe it's on Fight, but it's not on uh, YouTube for some reason.
0: Now, are you, you're you caught up through Super Fight. I'm caught up through, you know, last, or what, was it yesterday's show, you said?
1: Yeah, yeah cause you're an idiot. Yeah,
0: cause you're an idiot. So I, I'm caught up all the way, but I, I, what did you think? I mean, you got kind of a bum rush at Teddy Hart. Are you on the same level I am with him?
1: No. I, I don't get your love for him whatsoever, honestly. Really? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he's does the same indie bullshit that I hate. You know, all these, you know, these fucking uh, Canadian destroyers, or you know, and even one from the top rope can't finish people off with it, um, flying over the flying over the place without any kind of psychology whatsoever. Um, he and Pentagon are absolutely terrible against each other.
0: Oh yeah, together that was a horrible match.
1: Well, their tag team title match was horrible too.
0: I that I agree with as well. I mean,
1: I mean, I mean, I've I've only seen him a couple of times now, um, but I mean, what what I've seen, I have no, I have not been impressed with whatsoever. I, I, think, See, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think he's, I think he's a big spot guy, and there's no psychology in anything he does.
0: I, uh, I'll agree with you there. Uh, I just, I'm more of a fan of his character and his um, innovation. Like, I've seen him do certain moves. He had a match against Phoenix that was really good, but for some reason, him and Pentagon do not have any chemistry at all. At all. It, it, and it's it's embarrassing. Um, he he's, does. He's,
1: he's, he's really lucky with the lack of chemistry that he didn't get seriously injured in, in that match. I mean, there were spots where. Uh, even in the, even in the tag match where
0: it must have cut out there because I didn't hear that.
1: <clears throat> there were spots in both the singles match and the tag match where Teddy is lucky he didn't end up seriously injured.
0: Yeah, the yeah. Mexican Destroyer on the apron.
1: Well I, that? I, but, but I mean, but I mean, moves that Teddy himself was doing, like that, like that moonsault off the top rope where he just barely touched um, the Lucha Bros because um, they were out of position. Oh, um, yeah. A couple, a couple of times he tried a like an Asai moonsault from. Or almost like a ger- almost like a ger- like a uh, lion salt in the middle of the ring, and Pentagon was out of position. Once yeah. where Pentagon actually got up, so they ended up like colliding heads against each other. Yeah, there
0: was some really
1: clunky spots.
0: Like yeah. really, they were not on the same page. It was like I don't know, language barrier maybe. I I I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if they were the
1: same book, dude.
0: Because they, it it wasn't. I mean, we see matches against with the Lucha Brothers where they're just amazing. And then same thing, I've seen matches with Teddy Hart where he's, yeah, he's a big spot guy, but he's more of a, there's a lot more chemistry involved. And him and Pentagon just, they have zero chemistry. It's something that I'm glad that program moved on because I did not want to see those two. They would have killed each other if they had another match together.
1: I can't, what I have not seen from him yet is, the ability to actually tell a story in the ring. What what I've seen is him flying all over the place and hitting people with things. And and yes, like you said, doing innovative spots, but with no context whatsoever. He's just flying around the ring doing shit.
0: Yeah, I can see that in the last few matches, especially. He had a few matches when he um, especially against Rich Rich Swan and ACH where he had a little bit different... I'm not going to say he was spectacular with the ring psychology, but he... His move set seemed a little more um, in flow with the match, where his stuff, his stuff against the Lucha Brothers and especially Pentagon, it just seemed like he was hitting the moves just to hit the moves. There was no rhyme or reason to him. Where, you know, in earlier matches, I saw him pull out stuff that actually really fit the match.
1: Okay. Plus, I mean, like
0: mean, his character. The fact that they're playing off his his um, character, I enjoy too.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I, I understand that, and I can I can get get in line with that. But I but for me to, for you to tell me that he does he does amazing stuff in the ring and he's become one of your favorite wrestlers, if not your favorite wrestler, I I don't see it whatsoever. On the other hand. Could have been the
0: it Could have been the the episodes you missed too, because he did have a few decent things in there. I, and it could be that he's just not your cup of tea. It's like I'm not a, I I can't. So I mean, it's just difference in, in the way a certain person speaks to you, I guess.
1: Well, see now now you go back and forth on Tanahashi. Like when I, when I mentioned that you that you think he, that you that you don't like him, you said no, I like him. I just think he looks like China. So, no, that's, so, 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 no. So, 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 so. I mean, the thing. So the thing is, I mean, do you like him? Do you not like him? Or, or do you do you think? Go ahead.
0: To me, he's not a guy that uh, I think tells a really good story. I think he's a lot about his his four or five spots. Um, you know, same criticism we give to John Cena all the time. It, it, I I'll, I will say Tanahashi does sell. On occasion, more than Cena does, but at the same point, his matches feel like they're the same match over and over and over again. And it's, and I I will agree with this. Um, The last three or four matches I've seen of Teddy Hart, it felt like he was doing the exact same match, just with a different person across the ring from him. But that's the way I felt about Tanahashi for the last two years it feels like he's all about his four or five signature moves and that's, that's all it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a fair criticism. I mean, it's not like Tanahashi is my favorite ever, like he, like he is for a lot of people. Um, I, I do think that he's, that he's a formulaic type of performer, but I also think that he can always also put some impressive psychology into it when he wants to, or, you know, when the time calls for it. Like, I mean, I thought his match against Ibushi last year was absolutely fantastic.
0: Uh um, you know, I liked his match against against White. I really did, but maybe that's because he didn't jump up and try to do five um, frog splashes at the end of the match. You're getting robotic.
1: Getting... Can you can you repeat what you were, what you were saying?
0: It's I liked his match against White, but I think a lot of that was because it wasn't his normal formula. He didn't get up and try to do five uh, frog splashes at the end of the match after getting his knee torn apart for 25 minutes. Right. So. You know, and it, I and I will agree with you. Now that I, I think about the last maybe three to four matches, including the the one that he has after, actually the two that he has after Super Fight, Teddy Hart has really gotten into running the exact same match out there. He's doing the exact same spots. He's not as innovative, uh, innovative as he was, because he's just doing the same shit we've already seen.
1: And does he does he have any rhyme or reason to it? Like he has not so far that I've seen?
0: Not really, no. Yeah. <laughs> not really. Now that you bring that up when I look at him, yeah, he was he was great there in the beginning, the first I I know, four or five matches that I saw of him. But now this last four or five four he has been pretty bland. He's been telling the same story. He's been, you know, and not even a story. He's just been going out there and doing the exact same spots over and over again. So now that you mention it, damn it, I still like him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, well, see, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you, you could do you can do a lot of great spots out there, but I mean, and, and you can draw people's attention by doing them, but if you can't put any substance behind them, eventually. Then you're going to lose people, you know, and, and that's the thing with um, like, like, you know, the Bucks for a long time would just go out there and, and do a bunch of spots. And, and that's why I think for a while you were like, well, all they do is super kicks. But I mean, they started putting psychology together. They sort of started putting great actual stories and matches together. And now we think they you know, they're the, they're one of the greatest tag teams of all time. It's not the greatest tag team of all time. Well, I remember
0: mm-hmm. seeing, I remember and, that,
1: and then he, you. Like Rob Van Dam, you know, Rob Van Dam always did the same spots in his matches, but he always spaced them out well he always had a good pace to them and he always um, he always used them to his best advantage in telling a story. Um, you know, and Hart, you know, Teddy Hart right now is probably about about the age that if not a little bit older than Rob Van Dam was when he entered WWE. So, I mean, there's really, there's really no excuse for the, for this age in his career, for Teddy not to know how to put that kind of psychology together with the moves. The, um, you know,
0: now that you mention that too, I remember saying that about the Young Bucks after their match with um Roppongi 3K at Wrestle Kingdom what a year and a half ago, 2 years ago. Um I remember saying that to you as the first thing I said was that I just watched a Young Bucks match with uh with ring psychology. Cuz before that yep. it was it was the same thing, it was just all about the spots. But all last year, the, they showed us that they actually can do ring psychology in, in just Matt Jackson's performance alone. But then Nick too, on top of it.
1: Right. I mean, that's the first time they really got a chance to show that. But I, mean, I think I think I still thought they were better at doing spots than than Hart is. But but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sold on him. I'm I'm I really am not sold on on. Uh, Brian Tillman Jr. But I mean, of course, he's only been like in, in the business for two years or something. So um, I do like his character, but, it, but his stuff in the ring, I, you know, I, I could take or leave.
0: So I, mean, he, so I mean, really,
1: when it comes to the Hart Foundation, the only guy that I think is really good in the ring is a guy I thought this, was really good in the ring for years, and that's David Boyd Jr. Right. You know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Teddy, uh, maybe he's, now that he's signed the contract, he's lost his motivation. Maybe, I, maybe that's it. Who knows? But he's, you know, Brian Pillman is green. He's good, but he's green. And he's got a lot to learn. I just, I don't know. I, I still like him as the personality that he has, which is odd because I normally hate that dry, not showing any emotion type personality out of a guy. But for some reason, it works with him. And I did like the spot at the end of the match when he threw his jacket to Pentagon.
1: Yeah, that was weird.
0: It was. It just. It was know, so. I, against, it was so against his character that it just. It kind of stu- stood out, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he was trying to do with disdain, but I don't think it worked out. I don't think it worked very well. I just. I mean, and, and it was. And it was. It was his partner, you know, that that pulled the mask off in the first place. So it wasn't like they were. They were really trying to keep his identity, you know. I don't know. It 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 didn't I agree, it didn't it didn't really work. Um You know, another thing that you had, that you had said to me, <clears throat> I had, I had mentioned to you that um that I didn't like, you know, the what low key was doing. I did, I didn't like his new wrestling style because he, he's not the low key that we you know that you and I used to see and you said, "Oh yeah, I can't stand low-key anymore." But <laughs> But watching everything, you know, watching what I've seen over the last six weeks or or whatever it was of, of Major League Wrestling, I completely disagree. I think he's been absolutely spot on. Um, I think he's been on point. Um, and while I while I'm still not you know thrilled with his with his brawling stuff, I think I think his character has been awesome. And I think that um, that he's really that he's he really kind of you know put together the style that I that I was used to from him. And then added and then added in the brawling. So I, I enjoyed his stuff in the ring as well, even if it's even if it's still kind of more limited than I would like. See, I, I really enjoyed everything I saw from Loki, including stabbing the hell out of Conan. So.
0: See, and now back to the I was on mute, so I didn't get to say this, but I I remember saying to you about the whole Teddy Hart thing um, that it seemed like that wasn't supposed to happen on camera. His whole throwing the jacket to Pentagon, it just seemed like that was so out of place and out of character. That they weren't supposed to catch that part on camera, or he wasn't aware that he was still on camera or something, because it just it didn't seem like it fit well with the match, it didn't seem like it fit his character, but it seemed like it was him doing this good thing to help out Pentagon. Does that make sense
1: yeah, and I th- and, and I thought it was dumb
0: right, I mean it it was just out of character, and I, I said that to you uh, when I first saw it. it's like it was just a really weird spot. That just didn't see I liked it, but it I, it didn't seem to fit with with anything else that had happened in the ring or his character now the low key character i love his character i hate his in ring performance i I never liked his even back when he was um well, who, who Kamala or what was his name in Kavala was that it in w w e uh
1: Kawal or kaval or something yeah. Kaval
0: and then um he was you know low key when he was in um TNA i just i've never been a fan of his cuz i just think he he relies too much on the on the striking and a guy that size should not be relying so much on power moves um, but his character has been incredible his voice scares the shit out of me and it, <laughs> and he fits good as a um merciless heel a stable leader, so I I thought his his character work has been incredible. That being okay, so said,
1: I'm glad we're on the same page there. Go ahead, go ahead.
0: But I I still don't like his in ring performance. I I never have liked his in ring performance. So I think that's where we differ. His character work though has been top notch.
1: You've never liked his in-ring performance. I've ever. never,
0: li- never liked his in-ring performance. I've always felt like he's been he's relied too much on his kicks and his martial arts background and and all that stuff, and not as much on the actual moves that he should be doing for a guy his size.
1: So even when he was in the X division, you thought that he should not be using those strikes and stuff against guys around the around the same size.
0: I just it never felt like uh, it was a it was never a wrestling style that I enjoyed. Yeah, I just never did.
1: Wow. Um, I, did you ever see his world championship match against AJ Styles? No, I didn't. Okay, because that was that was absolutely phenomenal. I but, uh, I mean watch. I mean, see t- 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 see to me when to me when when TNA was first forming, the two guys that gravitated to were Loki and, and AJ Styles.
0: So, see, and my guy was. I've, a, I've always
1: been a fan of Loki.
0: My guy was AJ from the from right out the gate. My guy was AJ. And then I, you know, Christian Cage was there for a while and I, you know, I kind of gravitated towards him, America's Most Wanted. I loved, Um, you know, and then uh, um, Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe and those were the guys that I kind of went towards. I never really got into Kabuki. Never.
1: Yeah, America's Most Wanted was awesome. Totally agree on that one. If only Chris Harris hadn't gotten lazy.
0: Well and then, you know, three live crew and uh who was the who what was the Christopher Daniels um Kazarian tag team? Was it Kazarian? It was Christopher Daniels and somebody else. They had a
1: um, cage,
0: cage match against America's Most Wanted. It was one of the best of all time.
1: Oh, Triple X.
0: Yeah. Okay. Who was who was in that? That was Christopher Daniels,
1: um Um Eli Skipper. And I don't remember who the third person was.
0: I'm going to look it up.
1: Loki. I'll do that right now.
0: Christopher was Daniels.
1: Loki and Elix Skipper. Okay.
0: So I guess I did like Loki for a little bit. Well, there you go. I just didn't realize it was Loki. Sure. I was like, <laughs> "Okay, that's because he wasn't—he wasn't the original member." Okay, that makes sense then. He,
1: he was what?
0: He wasn't the, one of the original members. It was—it uh, was when they had their huge uh, match against America's Most Wanted. It was just um, Elix Skipper and um, Christopher Daniels.
1: No, they were called Triple X because there was three of them.
0: Okay. Know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I misread something here.
1: Yeah, just just like you misread that Jacques Rougeau was P.C.O.
0: No, that I was just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: okay. Um. Yeah, actually, and actually, personally, I when it, when it was uh, Daniel's when it was triple X against America's Most Wanted and and the stipulation was whoever lost had to split up. I really wanted to be American's America's Most Wanted that loss 'cause I thought Christopher I thought uh Chris um Harris was going to be a major player in the in the main event scene. And of course wow. the wrong team split up and then Harris then Harris went to Harris went to WWF and became um uh, something Walker, Braden Walker and
0: had won super out of on...
1: shape and yeah,
0: showed showed up on ECW or on ECW as Braden Walker and looked like he'd gained like seven hundred and four pounds. Yeah, <laughs> then he goes back to TNA talking about how he's out of shape and he's going to get him back to where he was, and they just never showed up again.
1: Yeah, well, pretty much. I think I think he was at like one of the. Uh... Uh, extreme rules show or what do they call those the hardcore justice shows i think it was on one of those but other than that yeah he never really showed up again in tna
0: i just remember him coming i just remember him coming out crying after he got released from wwe and literal tears coming down his face as he's standing on the ramp talking about how out of shape he'd gotten and how he didn't enjoy his time and he was vowing to to become the chris harris of old and then we just never saw him again
1: yeah it sucked Because I thought thought he had superstar talent. He just didn't have superstar drive, obviously.
0: Yeah, and who would have thought... I mean, when you first looked at America's Most Wanted, who would have thought James Storm would have been the guy holding the heavyweight gold? i I never... Yeah, for all of
1: what? A week or something?
0: Yeah, but he still at least had it. Chris Harris was the guy that we had all pegged as being the superstar, and he never went anywhere.
1: Yeah, true. Um... Speaking of speaking of, of guys that uh, Chris Harris might have might have eaten to gain that kind of weight. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of, um, of the dirty blonde, specifically the guy that looks like a young Dusty Rhodes. I, I'm not sure if that's is that Lee O'Brien.
0: I believe so. I know there's one guy that they refer to as just disgusted and dirty.
1: Right, but that's what you're. That, that that's actually. I'm not talking about when you're looking in the mirror. I'm talking about watching the dirty blondes wrestle.
0: You're an evil human being. You know that, right?
1: <laughs> I do. I I really do. Anyway, there's there's one there's one of those guys that that really I think he really has a lot of talent. He, he looks he looks you know like a like a young um so the young he's got the body and the speed and stuff of, of a young Dusty Rhodes. And I and I really you know hope that he's um, got big, got big things they got big things planned for him than being partners with the other guy that really is just kind of like you said a big kind of a big dirty swap. I don't know. I you're mean, you're
0: talking about you're talking about the guy I with mean, the I mean, long the long blonde hair guy.
1: Yeah.
0: Or the one that's got the longer hair, not the. Yeah, I believe that's Leo Bryan because I think Mike Patrick's the dirty one.
1: I think so, too. I think Patrick's like the the bigger one of the two.
0: Yeah, he's the guy with the short blonde hair and the tobacco juice running down his chin at all times. Right. Okay.
1: Anyway, anyway, I'm a fan of Leo Bryan, and I think that he could be – it could really be something if they if got him out of the Dirty Blondes and let him go on his own a bit.
0: I, I'm a little confused with the whole stud stable thing. That was a big thing in the beginning of MLW or in the beginning of Fusion, and now it's just nothing. I mean, they were feuding with uh, um, all the top uh, – well, their big feud was with Lawler and um, Team Filthy. But you know, then they just kind of fell apart. They fired – um, Your guy, that, uh, the big guy, was his name?
1: Yeah, Leo, Leo Bryan.
0: No, no, no. no. The,
1: um, Mike Perot? Oh,
0: Mike Perot, and then Jake Hager was there for a little while and just kind of disappeared. And now it's just back to the two tag team. So. Yeah, so what, uh,
1: happened, to, um, the what, ha- what happened to Mike Perot?
0: They just fired him. He uh, They blamed him for a loss to. Uh, Tom Lawler and they fired him middle of the ring oh, wow. they didn't even give him the courtesy of a horseman stomp they just fired him and told him to get out
1: okay then
0: yeah uh, and then Jake Hager was there for a little while and he disappeared quickly too he got beat by Lawler and that was supposedly the end of their feud and then we never saw Jake Hager again
1: oh well not a big loss really
0: No, but it's just, I mean, he's going after this whole stud stable thing.
1: I mean, I I I, I, I like the guy. I like Jake Hager. As a person, I'm just not sure that he's um, a really good fit for Major League Wrestling.
0: No, he's not. He's not a top-notch heel either. No. But he did do good with uh, Um, Parker as his manager, as a mouthpiece.
1: With with what?
0: Having Robert Parker Parker as his mouthpiece. Yeah. Yeah. Less Jake Hager sure. talked, the happier I was.
1: Yeah, he really needed uh what's his face back?
0: Um Oh the We the People guy. Um Yeah. I can't remember his can't. name. No, I can't either.
1: I mean it's dirty it's just it's he's he's really dirty desk mantel, but I can't remember who I can't remember his W W E name. So anyway, um what what else about it, Major League Wrestling, did you want to talk about?
0: Really, I had nothing. I mean, I, what did you think of the uh, Key Lawler fight, the match that they had, the fact that he?
1: I thought it, I thought it was super short. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, while we're into the 15-year undefeated streak in, like, what, eight minutes or something?
0: Yeah, that 15-year undefeated streak kind of pissed me off a little bit because technically MLW didn't exist for 13 of those 15 years.
1: Still. He didn't lose, he just still didn't lose an MLW Master in those 13 years. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a totally k-fave thing. I mean, it, it was more k-fave than most k things. Yeah,
0: I mean that that but, was uh, a that was a real stretch. They went out on that one.
1: It it was.
0: But it was, st- I mean, and then, I, like, and then
1: and then like Matt and then like striker on on the sh- on the uh, on the uh, super super fight show at the beginning of the show he, he said twelve and a half years, right. and then at the end he went back to the company line of fifteen years. So.
0: my my favorite was when he said 12 and a half, and then Loki came on the interview right after that and said fifteen and then he was back to fifteen at the end of it um did right. you you didn't see any of the Simon Gosh betrayal or any of that stuff did you
1: um, I I saw you, started, their,
0: you saw their, their yeah, I, I match saw, but,
1: i I saw, I saw their match and then I saw the next week he he lost his uh his um price fight challenge like very quickly to some big dude
0: well he comes back in the next couple of weeks um, and uh, y- you haven't gotten there yet because you're still at super fight but he doesn't have his mustache anymore what he shaved his mustache off he's wow. part of an he's part of a new group that attacked Lawler after the cage match that's coming up oh interesting and he does not have a mustache and the crowd was uh, chanting where's your mustache during his first match back <laughs> made me laugh um and they uh let me see what else what else he's
1: is... he, he's he's no longer dashing Simon's gotch no
0: no he's not um but you so you you missed the whole uh betrayal thing so you missed the Sammy Callahan Chicago Street fight with Lawler you must have started right after that cuz it the lead up to that match was uh Simon Gotch was talking about a press conference and how he had one scheduled for um Tom Lawler after he be after he defeats uh Sammy Callahan and, and they go through this whole match and after the match uh Gotch leads him into a room where this press conference is supposed to be and it, it ends up being um Selena's group, Loki and um LA Park and his kid and at uh Ricky Rodriguez, yeah. whatever the hell his name is. Right. And I mean, then that. Right. I
1: mean, they showed, they showed that about 30, about three times since I've started watching.
0: Yeah. So, but um, me, in the middle of that match, uh, Tony Schiavone has a big boo-boo where he says something about how, are we going to talk about this press conference that uh, Simon, uh, about all the, all what that happened at this press conference that Simon got set up? So he, you know, kind of jumped the gun that something big was going to happen at this press conference where he started talking about it, and then they just quickly ignored it, like it went, didn't, like he didn't say anything. I thought that was kind of an interesting little fuck up by Tony Schiavone.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean I didn't see it, so I don't I don't right. know it's, what you want me to say.
0: No, no, no. It just it it, it, it was kind of funny though. They, right after that, I think Shivani was only on two more episodes. Now he's been replaced by Cornette, he was replaced by Stryker and then Cornette. He hasn't been on since those episodes.
1: Oh really? Yeah, I mean I I noticed that I noticed that it was Matt Stryker and uh uh whatever that other guy's name is, I can't think of the name on the top of my head. But uh, uh I did I noticed that documents. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did notice that it was that Shani, Shani wasn't on there, and I was like, oh, that's odd. So I guess I know now why.
0: Yeah, he. I guess he I know had, now
1: why. Well, yeah, that, was great, that was great grammar right there.
0: He had a major, 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 major screw up when it came to storyline leaking. <laughs> I, it just made me oh, laugh. Did they
1: frown on that kind of thing. What's that? They frown on that kind of thing there.
0: Uh, they must. <laughs> But the, and then yeah
1: um, I, mean, I, 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 did, I did see in one of the upcoming episodes there's mjf is taking on uh Teddy Hart for the um for the middleweight championship so I'm looking forward to that to seeing if mjf can get a decent match out of Teddy Hart but,
0: it, it uh, was it wasn't a five-star classic I'll say that much
1: well right Teddy Hart was in it so I'm assuming not
0: but the storyline that comes out of it is actually pretty decent
1: I'm sorry I'm, I'm sorry I know you were really high on him, but it but I just it, um, and maybe it's it may, it may, it may, it may because you were so high on him that I was so disappointed in, in what uh, I was seeing.
0: For me, it's a lot like um, – oh, who can I compare him to? Randy Orton um, in like 2008, 2009, before his whole Legacy run, when he was the legend yeah. killer, where I was just – I was attracted to that, that personality and the fact that he had some – decent moves. You were
1: chatted to Randy Orton?
0: Well yeah. He was one sexy piece of meat that man was. Okay. <laughs> no, but his I mean his charisma, his um character, everything about it was great. Uh the fact that he had some, you know, kind of innovative in, innovative moves and everything was great, but then he um was terrible in the ring. I, he did the same match every single every single time out. And he still does the same. He still relies on the same five or six uh, moves that he has to shoehorn into his matches. But it was the same thing back then. There was a time when Randy Orton was my favorite wrestler on the planet, and a lot of it was because of his character work. You know, and that's kind of where Teddy Hart is, too. Is he's got some innovation. He When he's motivated, he can put on a good match, but it's mainly his character work that I like.
1: Yeah, I, I still, it still blows my mind that. Um, Randy Orton was your favorite wrestler on the planet at one point.
0: Hey, I wasn't watching anything but WWE, and he was the best part about it.
1: He was the best part about it when there wasn't very very much on the show to be excited about.
0: It was pretty much him and Cena. So, I mean, it's either I like Cena oh, or I like it
1: when when they, when they were having an interminable feud that took like yeah. four pay-per-views in a row or whatever it was?
0: Oh, God, it was more than that. It was like three years of them headlining every pay-per-view.
1: It doesn't seem like it was that long to me, well, but I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna split him with you.
0: It truly felt that long. I want to say it was like seven or eight straight.
1: I really did enjoy their um, their No Holds Barred Iron Man match, though. That that <laughs> I thought was one of the best matches of that year.
0: Yeah, I liked his character that came out of that the whole feud with him, with the whole. Uh, Legend Killer, or not the Legend Killer, but the um, Legacy and the punting and the fact that he kicked Stephanie McMahon in the head—you know—that kind of stuff I enjoyed.
1: Well, Stephanie McMahon was actually before the feud I'm talking about. Was it? Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, you're right. You're right that happened uh,
1: before WrestleMania 25. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because that was that was during his height of Legacy. Right. Okay. I don't know. It's so damn long ago. I can barely remember breakfast. I don't know why I'm been talking about this.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, the other thing is that is that you know, I I really liked Tom Lawler when I saw him like 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 through Battle Riot and stuff. But 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 you know, I, I haven't been super sold on him and ring or really his character since I started watching it again. I mean, he's still good, but I just don't feel the same way I did when he was when he was like you know before doing Battle Riot and stuff like that.
0: I still. And, and you know,
1: I think part. And I think part of it is just um, he looks like a wild man now, and, and part of it is that he's um, he doesn't ha- he doesn't have the same uh, the same sense of gravitas I thought he did before.
0: No, because every know. match every match now has to be in a no holds barred or no rings or you know no ropes or there has to be some kind of ridiculous stipulation to them all. He, well, he, he doesn't has, have
1: his entourage coming with him anymore either. You know, I mean that that was a big part I thought of his character was he had that entourage coming down with him that you know made him look more important.
0: Yeah, I mean he he came across as a um, as a UFC fighter basically. He went with that whole persona mm-hmm. with the team filthy and the training and you know having uh, he actually put on good matches and ever since his feud with Loki really kicked into high gear, starting with Sammy Callahan, it's been nothing but street fights for him. That 's pretty much all he does now is street fights, and then, like I said, he came out and uh, i, I don 't think you haven 't seen this yet, but there was an episode coming up where he comes out of a strip club at eight o'clock in the morning, hammered off his out of his mind, and they 've got him on camera asking him what he 's doing. he was celebrating, so i don 't know where they 're going with that character with his character now, but huh. it's it, <laughs> they 've made a huge switch in just the way that characters are being portrayed Like ever since rich swan left and ever since um you know shane strickland and all these guys left the guys that are left there it, it's all for some reason they're making huge changes to their the way their characters are being portrayed like tom lawler is not the same badass that he was six to eight months ago and it's the same thing with
1: speaking of Sh- go ahead go ahead no
0: that's fine i was
1: gonna say speaking of shane strickland um, usually, you know, a lot of times a good heel turn um, will help will help a character. But Shane Strickland is just as boring and annoying as a heel as he was as a babyface.
0: I think he's actually more boring and annoying.
1: Quite possibly.
0: He's, he's got x heat. And,
1: and, some the, and some of, the of it, and some I think of him being more annoying is that is that now you've seen that he turned and there's just no hope for the guy. Right.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's, he was one of those guys that was in desperate need of a heel turn. Now that we've seen it, we're like, okay, go back to being a babyface. You know, this just sucks. You're not going yeah, to... Or just,
1: or just be a jobber.
0: Or how about this? Just go to NXT.
1: Swerve.
0: Isn't that where he ended up? Didn't he sign with uh, I think so. NXT? I think so.
1: I don't know. Anybody decide with AEW?
0: The last couple of episodes of MLW, I've kind of been lost on a little bit. I mean, Lucha Brothers are not the main thing anymore. Tom Waller is, like you said, he's become a psychotic crazy man. Teddy Hart and uh, MJF have been the most intriguing things about the episodes. They brought in some new guys, which are decent. um, But one guy is just doing an awful stone, stone cold impersonation. His name is Mance Warner. Wait think, till you see him.
1: I think they're going to keep bringing in new guys because they're going to keep losing people to Ring of Honor and AEW and Impact. So they're going to keep on reloading with, with some with some younger talent and and stuff like that. So so I think and they're that, going to have to get used to there being a revolving door in that company.
0: And I mean that's fine. I mean that's I'm okay with that. I'm okay with seeing the fresh faces and everything. But at some point, the guys that stick around don't alter their characters to this, to this magnitude. I, they made Teddy co or uh, not Teddy, um, Tom Lawler, a completely different character than he. Then, like you said, the guy that you you first started enjoying. I, I I'm enjoying right. the programming. I think they've got. I I still really enjoy the whole um, promociones, whatever. Um, Selena's group and uh, some of the other stuff that they're doing. They brought in some, like Laredo Kid was just in a match against Dragon Lee. Or no? Well,
1: oh, yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm enjoying a lot of the stuff they're doing. I just, I just, I just get confused about some of the stuff that they're right. emphasizing. Like, like that terrible, you know, tag team title match was like a 20-25 minutes of the show, and then the world champ, the world title match that I was really looking, you know, really interested in, took like eight and a half minutes.
0: You know. But it, if you think, if you think about it, look at where that roster was in June of last year to where it is now. Yeah, around that time, a super fight. When they're building towards Superfight, they lost PCO, they lost Roosh, they lost uh, Brody King, they lost Shane Strickland, they lost uh, ACH and Rich Swan. They literally lost the upper half of their roster. That's a a fair point. All they had left on the upper half of their roster was the Hart Foundation, Lucha Brothers, Low Key, and Tom Lawler. That was it. Everybody else was gone. So, it, I you got to kind of give them credit for the way they've, you know, they're still able to run out a, a watchable program. I just wish that they would keep the guys that people are falling in love with the way that they are, like like Lawler, for example.
1: Oh, I, I think I think well, I think you misunderstood my criticism. My criticism was was really that the tag match was like twenty twenty five minutes, whereas they could have shaved five minutes off of that, given given the, those five minutes to the main event, and then you've got you know less. Then you then you probably have a less is more situation with a tag match and a little bit more time for Lawler and Key. That's that was my that's what I was saying. And see, I I would like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that I was criticizing the, you know who they had on the show. It's just it's simply that I would have I think I just think that they could have divided the time up a bit better.
0: Yeah, it's possible. The uh, I did like the fact that Key um, was submitted, or he wasn't submitted. He didn't give up. He passed out. I thought that was good for his character.
1: Agreed. And it also put Tom Lawler over as a badass because that choke was on uh, very quickly and, and did not take long to, to knock he out.
0: Yeah, and he – I mean he did – there were a couple things that he did in the lead up to this where in his street fights, like his fight against Cammy, Sammy Callahan, he, um, where he couldn't use his arms to wrap his – or to get that guillotine or that um, choke on. So he he couldn't wrap his arms right, so instead he bit his tape and used his uh, used the tape that he was biting to to get the leverage he needed to knock whoever it was out. And there were a few things leading up to there that made him put him over as a complete badass. But then, like you said, now he's lost a lot of his aura, and that could be just storylines changing, people leaving. They've got to move certain people on, like Simon Gotch needs to. <laughs> needs to move on he can 't be um lawler's sidekick anymore because they really need him other places
1: yeah and, and and you know and and it's interesting that you know that that I thought you know, maybe I was missing something missing those episodes, but you kind of still... you kind of actually feel the same way that he's that he's uh changed and that maybe is something to change for the better
0: well he she kind of went. <sighs> He went from being that, you know, like you said, having that aura around him of being just this complete badass to um, more of a lone wolf type guy, where he was off doing his own thing. He was um, just out there fighting people, but he was still putting across that he was this unstoppable force a former MMA fighter and so on. It was, it, it was just a weird character development for him. And I'm having a tr- hard time kind of getting a, my head wrapped around it. Even in this last, uh, last episode I watched, he had an interview that just was out of sorts. It didn't seem like it was Tom Lawler talking. It seemed like it was a completely different character.
1: That's interesting that, you know, that, that that's happening that way too. I mean, you know, I don't know that, uh, I do I, I, I I, I think that he's that he's certainly capable of being the king of the promotion. I just I just want some more consistency and less like um less like can Shamrock type stuff for the Mike as where you know it seems like it seems like he is like a wild man and kind of all over the place.
0: And I'd like to see I would have liked to have seen maybe key win on the uh, at Superfight because I think right now Tom doesn't have any real Foil there's really no challengers you know it's like when when Loki was uh, first won the belt from Shane Strickland there was Phoenix, there was Pentagon there was you know there was constantly legitimate challengers for him now that Tom Waller has you know not only beaten beaten Loki but beat him in his first attempt and so handedly it's almost like there's nobody left to face Tom Waller.
1: Well, you just said they have a new stable that, he, that for him to face. That's probably why they came up with a new stable to give to show that he has. That there was caused him some adversity as the champion.
0: Well, even even since his, um, since Simon Gotch, you know, they still introduced there was a new member to Team Filthy. Filthy and um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Fred Yehi is still a member of Team Filthy, but they never come out together. They're never seen together. They're just announced as, hey, this guy's a member, a new member of Team Filthy.
1: Yeah, and I know he came back from a tour in the, of Europe or something, and he, and he challenged uh, Low Key in a non-title match. Yep. Um, for, for Lawler, you know. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I, I enjoyed what I saw. It's just that uh, I don't know. It, I, I enjoyed. I, I, I enjoyed it. It, it, it. It's weird. Because I, it's, I probably enjoyed it more than more, more than I'm enjoying Ring of Honor right now.
0: So. It's just weird because when you look back at. Uh, even six months ago, every promotion that we were talking about was on top of the world. And ever since this AEW thing has come out and people have been signing with AEW and you know shuffling around, now you've got people leaving all the smaller promotions to go to Ring of Honor. You've got people leaving this promotion and that promotion. It, it, it just It's almost like we're hitting a reset button where I'm still enjoying these shows, but a couple of them need to build themselves back up to the level that they were before. Like I, I think Major League Wrestling is still fun to watch. They've got some good characters. They've got some good in-ring in ring performances. But they really need to build themselves back up to where they were at the end of the year when they lost all these people. And the same thing with Ring of Honor. I mean, Ring of Honor really took a nosedive after losing those four guys. And they brought in some guys to replace them, but those guys haven't built up the kind of fandom, I guess respect whatever you want to say it as as the guys that left. You know, we J- right. New Japan, New Japan is sti- is still on top of the world. I, I I was I've been really impressed with the last four or five shows of New Japan that I've seen. You know, all of the New Japan Cup, the um anniversary show, the New Beginning before that, all of that stuff has been still top notch. The matches have been stellar. Mm-hmm. The performances by the characters have been great. It was like we, we were all concerned that New Japan was going to lose so much, but in all reality, they were the ones, they're the only ones that really came out still looking as shiny as they were before all this.
1: Yeah, I think they set up themselves up really well cu- um, coming into Wrestle Kingdom, and so they were able to, to weather the storm and, and uh, you know, keep on trucking the way that, you know, Ring of Honor probably didn't even didn't have well didn't have the talent to do, but also just didn't have the opportunity to do,
0: or the or the creative minds to do it either, because a lot of that's on the booking too. You know the behind the scenes stuff and the booking and everything, and the same thing with MLW they really suffered. You know NXT is going through NXT still has their you know their top guys, but moving those four up to the main rosters has been painful, and I I don't know it's a growing period right I mean, now. Well, I want to see where all this goes. Because they're going to they're
1: figure yeah, I mean, it out. I mean, I... Go
0: ahead. They're going to figure it out. They're going to be fine. They're going to create new stars. Eventually, we're going to see Matt Taven at the top of the promotion. We're going to see you know, other stars coming in around him. Like Bandito's a future s- superstar there. I think Tracy Williams and Mark Haskins are going to be huge for that company. You know, So you've got you've got the potential to be back to where they were. It's just going to take them some time because now, you know, when you lose that many top flight um, personalities that are involved in so many of your top storylines, it's going to take time for them to rebuild. Where the nice thing about the elite in New Japan is none of them were really, outside of Omega, were really involved in major storylines by the time they left. They put together –
1: the thing, the, the thing with Ring of Honor is they've never had a tr- have, had trouble signing guys, and they've never had trouble rebuilding. The problem is they never that they're never able to get guys to re-sign, uh, you know, big you know big stars to re-sign a, a second contract. I mean, yes, Jay Lethal did, but
0: well, know, and the Bucks Jay did too. the Bucks did too. I mean, they made all that noise what four or five years ago when they first signed re-signed with Ring of Honor. They were really the first yeah. first group to do it, but, but yeah, you're they right.
1: Lost I mean, they lost Cody. They lost Cody. They lost Adam Cole. Um, you know, they lost. They, was, they lost Kevin Owens. Um, Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, right. Kyle O'Reilly. Um, you know, Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish. I mean, it seems like it seems like guys that they push to the top end up. They end up. You know, Tyler Black, Austin Aries. Samoa Joe went to, went to TNA. I mean, they, they never seem like they're able to keep their top guys.
0: Yeah, that is true. And maybe that's because they don't have the – it might be different now. Well, no, it really can't be. I mean, Taven, they re-signed, but he wasn't a top star when
1: he re-signed. Right. So I mean, and, oh. and they they signed Marty Skrull, but only for six months, and we and we don't know, you know, what he's going to be doing after what he's going to do after next month.
0: Right. Yeah. So it could be a complete change too. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. We'll have why don't to see. see we'll, we'll, once you hit the social media
1: stuff, and we'll and we'll once hit the social media stuff, and we'll get out of here. All
0: right. Well, uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, look up Kingdom of Honor. Uh, it's one of the top search results. It's uh skull skull uh, skull with a crown and uh ring in the background. Send us messages. Uh, we're thinking of doing some kind of um bracket type thing on there where we look at uh you know different aspects of wrestling, put together a bracket of people that uh that uh, exemplify that and then let you guys vote to see who the best. Um, also follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Regi You can follow Shane at Zanman LOP. Hashtag King of Honor works too. Um, ask us any questions, uh, any recommendations, anything like that. Let us know and we'll do what we can to get it on.
1: And. Uh make sure you do stay tuned to all the other shows here on Lords of Pain radio. Tomorrow we have one nation radio and the global revolution on Wednesday. We have sports entertainment is dead on Thursday, the perfect 10 wrestling podcast, Friday, the right side of the pond. Saturday is all about all elite. Sunday is the doc says, and then we'll be back with you next Monday to to preview NXT New York I suppose they're calling it take over New York. And then also, of course, the G1 Supercard was taking place the night before WrestleMania. And uh, I hopefully will not be still drugged up from my uh, oral surgery at that point. So anyway, that's all we've got for this week. We'll uh, catch you next week. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights. And Jeff saying
0: goodbye.